0: Thank you for downloading Tube Flash Tales, original flash fiction inspired by London Underground and vintage and contemporary brooches. If you want to find out more, visit the Tube Flash website, but not before you've listened to this set of Tube Flash Tales. Doors closing. Finchley Road. Hush by Sarah Tutt. When the sea came and knocked her over, it did not know the good she'd done. When it sent its wave to Incheso Beach, it was ignorant of her life's fineness. When it crashed down and smashed her small head upon its rough bed, it was oblivious to how she'd say, Some people believe different things, depending on where they're raised. It's a point of view, same as yours. And how she'd saved the professor and raised her kids to know the difference between right and wrong, given everything she'd got. So, hush, the sea did not know. When Millicent Evelyn Tarley heard the warning and saw the wave... She reckoned twelve metres high, so no chance what with her legs and her age, her reactions. She calmly unpinned the bird brooch and gripped it tightly, noticing how the sparrow seemed more like an owl. Somewhere her mother's voice was whispering, Don't waste good fortune. Silly! NW6 and those times were far off lands now. At fifty seconds and counting, Mrs Tarley walked towards the horizon and turned her back to the rising swell, gathering all the might she could muster, yes, every last bit. She threw the brooch to the rocks, laughing at the strength she still had in her arms. The sun saw, and it knew the goodness she had done. It had seen the fineness of her life. How she'd say, everyone's deserving. And remember the details that made all the difference. Her smiles and promises. The sun knew. So it sent its rays to warm her head. It cast her one final glint and picked out the bird diamonds wedged there on the rocks, a simple sparkle. So hush, you see, Milly drowned smiling, knowing what would be, would be. You know, how she used to say, Marilabone. Mind the paranormal activity by Rebecca Clark.
1: I sat between two aliens on the Bakerloo line the other day. At first I thought they were men dressed in shiny silver foil with clothes hangers as antenna, but on close inspection their scaly skin was not well applied face paint but a true algae pigment, and their web fingers were not artificially attached, but biologically correct. They boarded the train at 9.46pm, waddled down the empty aisle, ignoring the two rows of available seats, and sat either side of me. I contemplated moving because the breeze of their gills brushed on my cheeks, but I didn't want to appear rude, so we sat there in silence until the train left the platform. ''Oh, what are we going to do? Thanks to Madame Tussaud, we'll never escape this wretched planet now.'' The alien on my right wept. The other leaned over me and patted his companion on the back. I squirmed in my seat. ''Cheer up, brother. The planetarium seizing our transgalactic portation does not mean we can't get home. I have a contingency plan, but it won't be pleasant.'' The alien turned his head at an impossible angle to look at me with his cat-like eyes. My kind man, my brother here and I are from the constellation of Ursa. We're in a little predicament which you may be able to help us out of. Can I ask, have you ever been probed? The carriage jolted and the lights went out, throwing us into darkness. I haven't sat right since.
0: Angel Angel. Underground Angel by Jen Campbell Mind the gap between her shoulders where the skin flares, the colour of fallen ships, her folded feathers in the underworld. One day she'd like to throw herself against a wall where they could see her, where they could gawp. She's not what they would wish to worship giggling in the crowded tunnels. Earthbound, she is crow-faced. She is musty, a room that has been empty for far too long. She studies them. She is a soul hoarder of the living people. To remain out of the clouds and within this darkness, she must take parts of the commuters and rearrange them within herself. She is a kaleidoscope of body parts. She barters. She is a shop. She contemplates how much of her soul she's already sold. Vauxhall A classic collection by Graham Curtis.
1: He stood, looking at the Victor FB Deluxe Saloon, 1963, with its smooth maroon paintwork and desert sand two-tone roof. A classic in prime condition. He sighed with pleasure looking at it once again. The chrome bumpers sparkled in the sunlight. It was his, at least for now. He wondered how long this could go on, the thefts, the deceit. He called them his cars, but the classic collection acquired over the last few years was anything but his. He'd made a habit of befriending each owner in turn, giving minimal information about himself, how simple it had been. An initial connection over the internet, there were thousands of classic car enthusiasts to target. Then, the grooming... And finally, the meeting. Always contrived to be at the enthusiast's house. How proud each had been of their car, showing it off. The ruse was simple. Establish the owner's phone number, arrange for a phone call. The owner would take the call and he would make the getaway with the car. Owners were always so trusting. The first time he'd had sweaty palms and a beating heart, but his technique was now well honed and relaxed. He knew the pleasure in the knowledge that he had stolen it from another, had cuckolded the owner, and left them with a void where their love had been. He gazed at the Vauxhall Victor FB Deluxe Saloon, 1963. It was rare, only a few surviving. He put it back on the mantelpiece with the rest of his collection. <laughs>
0: Richmond. From Diamonds to Damehood by Sarah Laximi. A female driver held open the door of a Mercedes as Dame Alicia Greystone, dressed in a black silk trouser suit, moved down the steps and flowed onto the back seat like a moonlit ocean wave. From her handbag, Dame Alicia pulled out the handwritten notes she had scrawled last night. She had not wanted to be the keynote speaker at the opening of the Royal Ballet School's museum at White Lodge, but she did not want to let her old adversary, Principal Markovitch, feel she had the upper hand. When she had put the finishing touch to her outfit, a diamond and gold ballet dancer brooch, she had inherited too early from her late mother she realised what she wanted to tell those who would naively mock her with their youth. She had sat at her writing desk, pen in one hand, brooch in the other, stroking the sharp point of its pin, remembering how she had surrendered to that same point when loss and self-doubt became too much, when she had discovered an emotional release at the puncturing of her tender flesh. But that was before success and damehood. Instead, she would remind them they were the lucky ones who could express their art with their bodies. To press and shape, create new forms, communicate, uplift. A dancer leaps and the audience's heart follows. She would remind them the real pain was not listening to a body that needed to dance. As the car pulled up at the school's entrance, she saw Principal Markovich's face at the window. Her hand went to the brooch and clasped it. She sighed, fixed a bright smile and extended her legs onto the driveway. Regent's Park
2: Snake Pit by Juanna Aristide Key to staying alive in a snake pit is stillness. People who do it for religion or sport have learned to pare the repertoire of the animated entity down to its basics. They can only allow themselves the motion of breathing Of seeing, in the snake pit, looking is a luxury. Now and again, someone falls into the snake pit by accident and will be ignorant of the rules of the place. He learns quickly. He learns that he's more likely to get away with a spasm in the hand than with shifting his weight from one numb leg to the other. This is the case because the snake's eyesight is average, but it excels at sensing vibrations in the ground. Progress comes easy when every movement is penalised with a bite. The logic of safety in the snake pit is straightforward. Fearful that movement begets aggression, and knowing that he is defenceless, the captive sheds everything that's accessory to life. Character, enthusiasm, ideas, these things are short-lived here. And then, when there's little left of the human but an immobile husk, the game will be over. Because you're boring, my dear. You're flat and you're boring and frankly, I'm more than
0: tired of you. Snakes want live prey. You've been listening to a Tube Flash production. Doors Closing. Read by Mena Bonsals, Tim Heffer and Keith Morris. If you enjoyed this download, why not visit the TubeFlash website, www.tubeflash.co.uk, where you'll find more underground tales to download and keep forever entirely free by following the iTunes link.